What is life? What is death? What am I doing here? Who am I without? I sat up in bed and I realized in that instant of sitting up in bed and breathing, I went, Ugh! like this breathing in there. I realized I hadn't been breathing the whole time that um, I would have been in this experience. And I made that sound so loudly, it woke Tony up. And he sat up and said, what's wrong, what's wrong? And I said, I don't know, but my life will never be the same again. It got bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter until it was filling in every direction and it was made up of lights and flames and white and just got closer and closer and then all of a sudden it hit me. But suddenly there was like this kind of like this portal just opened that there I could just sense that I have access to all the information in the universe. So I had like this very deep connection with my team, offered up this prayer and Within like two months, my entire life fell apart. So, <laughs> you know, spirit doesn't mess around. And when you ask, it is always given. And then in that dream, I understood that I am, what I am is mirrored throughout the whole cosmos, that it's part of, I'm part of all of that. I am. Uh, literally part of everything in the cosmos and all of that is part of me. It can be seen by me through these, these mirrors. And so I felt like this web of life, you cannot unplug from it. You cannot get out of it. No matter what you do, you are in it and it is glorious. And all of that energy and potential and creativity and possibility is ours. And that we, all of the universe is reflected in our very being, in our very selves. And everything that we are is reflected throughout the whole universe, too. There is no separateness. There is no such thing as anything being separate. In 2020, what a ride. My life is a hundred thousand times better than I ever imagined it could be.
Well, good afternoon, everyone. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. And welcome back to another episode of The Buddhist Biohacker. Our mission is to create conscious content for 1111D. And don't forget about our commitment to nonviolence. So you can always order a gold ribbon from us if you are looking to support that mission as well. And I am so excited. This is a special day because we are here with Aaron Apke. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Lisa. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Oh, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. I have so much to talk to you about, and there's no better way to do it than in front of everybody else because there's always something that helps someone. Don't you agree? <laughs> Most definitely. And I got to say, your intro got me hyped up. And there's also literally a woman doing burpees on the sidewalk right outside my house. <laughs> so I'm feeling the energy. I'm feeling psyched. Let's do this. Wow, that's so awesome. You know, I made the intro myself and my husband did the music and I love it so much. And it's exactly that. It's like, yes, I'm like ready for the show, just watching it every time. I think she's feeling the energy, I gotta say. She's that's killing pretty it. funny. <laughs> well, welcome to everybody who's joining in the live. If you're new to Buddhist Biohacker, we love you guys and we love your participation. So questions, comments, please share where you're from. And I would love for you to share one word about how you're feeling today. I think that would be fun as well. And we're going to dive in because I have a lot. I have a very long list for you. <laughs> Let's see if we can so, get through it. Yeah. So first, I want to give some context as to why I'm even talking to you. So I'm a multi-generational psychic medium, and I'm also a trans channel. So this runs deep in my family. And I remember the first time... I channeled in 2008, I had an Egyptian master called Aksun, um, A-K-S-U-N, come through me. And the first thing he said was, we are all one. And he said, trust your heart, not your mind. Seek shelter in your heart. And that has been at the top of my affirmation list since that day. And I have this weird thing where everything's very organic for me. So I never read a book other than to do some practices and some meditations. I mean, I read hundreds of metaphysical books, but I didn't really have any context to a lot of what I channeled. And last year, my husband found your channel, Aaron. And mm. he was like, you have to listen to this person's information about the law of one. He goes, because it's literally what you talk about. And wow. Aaron, I had no idea Ra existed. I had no idea the law of one existed all these years, like all these years of channeling and working with beings and off planet beings and all these different things. And here you put everything into this context that I was like, holy, <laughs> like here's this person <laughs> who actually like is teaching what I've just inherently known. And so it's mm -hmm. really amazing. And that's why I'm talking to you today. Cause I'm just like, wow, like, why did you even start doing all of this? Yeah. Pretty cool confirmation. Wow. Yeah. So you want to know why I started doing it? Yes. I want you to dive. I want to know like what happened? Like, what is it that made you start teaching this information or even get interested in it? Well, I had started my YouTube channel. I want to say maybe about uh, three to six months into my YouTube channel. I was just making videos for fun. I had no intention of like, I want to be a YouTuber or this or that. I was working as a personal trainer at Google in Mountain View full time. And, you know, that was my day job and fitness was always a passion of mine. But um, my real passion was spirituality and all this stuff. And so I just felt like I'm just going to explode if I don't make content about this. It's so alive inside of me. 
And so I had found the law of one um, a couple years earlier. And uh, as I continued to read it, probably my second time through it, I just was so blown away as it was opening to me and I was understanding what Ra was teaching. And I just kind of thought, man, how is this not all over the place? This is the most incredible material I've ever read. And I've read a lot of channeled works. I'm very, um, channeled works are by far my most um, highest level of interest in terms of what I like to consume. And I like it to be as, you know, there's definitely fakes and phonies out there, but I feel like you can always tell a true channeled work because the information put forward is always new and mind blowing and something you've never heard before. And then there's a lot of people that will just sort of like, like there's been a lot of people who claim to channel raw and they just kind of regurgitate the same stuff Raul's already said. But when I read like A Course of Miracles, the Seth works, the law of one, these are like truly profound materials that you don't get anywhere else. And the law of one was like number one for me. So I just thought, man, I can't believe there's not people making content about this already. Uh, pff, why not me, I guess. So I just made the first video about the seven densities and I didn't, I really didn't think it was going to catch on very much. I thought eh, a few, you know, a, a small niche of people will be into this. Probably most people think it's weird and won't understand it. I was totally wrong. It like blew up immediately. There was like hundreds of thousands of views and people demanding more law of one content. And I just went, oh, wow. Okay. There's a, a real hunger for this material. And so I just kept making law of one videos and going through the basic concepts taught in the law of one. And it immediately became the biggest, most popular series on my channel. That's so amazing. How did it, how is it? This is like a big question. Cause I want to know how it's changed you, but I also want to know, did you have a specific awakening moment yourself where you really recognized that there was more going on than just what we think of as our human experience? Like, is there a specific moment and has that evolved at all as you've been teaching and, and building this content? Yeah, it's constantly evolving. Um, if there was a specific moment, it would have been, I guess it was two years prior to when I made the first Law of One episode uh, at 27 years old when I had a, a big kind of awakening, a spiritual awakening happen at, at work at Google actually. Uh, and then, you know, it took me probably a couple years through reading the law of one before I saw it mapping onto my life in any real way. It seemed like just this amazing explanation of the universe, but in terms of like doing work on the chakras, the energy centers, understanding what it means to spiritually polarize things like this didn't integrate into my spirituality or my spiritual practices until a couple years in. And um, then it just continued to take more and more of a foothold as I really, again, just understood and condensed and integrated these seemingly complex concepts and actually seeing them in my own spiritual evolution at work, then you start to get some momentum as you understand the different, how the different energies of the chakras show up in your life and how they correlate to the densities and all of that. So it's always unfolding and evolving, but um, it, it certainly plays, I would say, a huge part of my current kind of spiritual practice today. Yeah, there's definitely an integration. You know, I, some, some, information for you is I followed His Holiness the Dalai Lama around for seven years and went to all of his Wow. Teachings. Yeah, it was really incredible. I'm finishing my book about it right now, but I went and wow. saw him each year for seven years and worked as a volunteer um, and helped. And I actually got to meet him once. And, and so his teachings 
you know, you, it doesn't matter how many times you read it. There's this integration phase where it's like all yeah. of a sudden something makes sense that maybe you didn't even catch before. You know, even as I'm writing about those experiences, it's like, oh my God, like that particular teaching suddenly becomes embedded in you and there's no real way to explain it. It just becomes yeah. something that's a part of you. And I wanted to share because I do want to dive into the law of one a little bit, and then we're going to go into some different things. But um, one of the things that the Dalai Lama said, one of his quotes is, there are no natural boundaries between human beings on this earth. We are one family. At a time of increasing natural disasters, climate change, and global warming, they affect us all. We have to learn to live together, to work together, and to share what we have together. The way we make problems for ourselves is senseless. We will achieve genuine peace in the world if we pursue demilitarization, but we need a sense of inner disarmament, a reduction of hostility and anger. And this is so much of what the raw material speaks about. And I just want to know your thoughts about that and how you're feeling about the interconnectedness of everything, especially in light of mm -hmm. where we've been this last year. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point he makes there. And yeah, it's really all about the work we do on ourselves is the work we share with the world. The law of one really stresses that a lot. It's like your the raising of your own consciousness is not just for yourself, but it's really a gift you give the world because your vibration is contributing to the collective, the sum total. So yeah, it's like the war, the conflict, the strife, the division we see in the world is a mirror to the war and strife going on within us. And we can't change. We can't affect at all the war or conflict inside of others. We can only change the war and conflict within us and find peace and, and love. And that's the, the message of the law of one is the love and light of the infinite creators within you. You can access it through this idea of spiritual balancing, spiritual polarization, and you can radiate more of that love and light to the world. And then you become a conduit for other people to awaken and to raise their own consciousness. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there's this... <sighs> You know, when you awaken to God's source inside yourself, you start to see around you all this separation and division that's happening because it's getting more and yeah. more. We're getting more and more separated outside yeah. of us. And yet there's this huge movement. You know, we're both part of it. You know, there's this huge movement of recognizing that not only are we all one, but we are all just extensions of God who is experiencing life through us, you know? And mm -hmm. I said the other day, Aaron, I said to, I forget it was in a class, I think, but I said, what if God said to you, I can't paint. You're going to say, of course I'll go paint for you. Yeah. So we're doing ourselves a disservice by not experiencing that, that God source energy through us in everything that we do. Yeah. Cause it's always there. Uh, Ra, there's an amazing passage where Ra says, uh, the first rule is that the moment contains love always it's up to you to find that love and to share that love with the other selves right mhm mm yeah exactly and that brings me to i do want to talk about 2020 briefly okay <laughs> I think let's we're do all it i'm talking about 2020 <laughs> but <clears throat> you know one of the things i do appreciate about what you teach and what the raw material teaches is about this catalyst you know, and as somebody who is a psychic who's read cards for years, years and years, um, you know, we talk about the tower card and the tarot, right? Like the complete mm -hmm. collapse of everything. And it's how you choose to come out of that 
collapse? You know, are you going to be the phoenix and rise up out of the ashes? And I loved in one of your videos talking about that catalyst moment, like this is a catalyst for ascension for each and every one of us. And a lot of us took advantage of that. And then there's also a group that completely distracted themselves from it. But what are your thoughts on 2020 as we look back now, knowing the information that you teach, like, what do you feel about last year and, and where we're headed next too? Because it's, I think it'll continue to shift, of course. Yeah, it's definitely going to continue to shift. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the way I like to look at Catalyst or as I've as my evolution of understanding it has has gone forward, Catalyst to me is the opportunity to see the light within us and then to embody it. So the, dark, the light shines brightest in the darkness. We know that. And so if you choose, it's really amazing the way the law of one describes it. It's basically <clears throat> when you choose, the more you choose the positive polarity, the more... Uh, the more clearly you will see negative polarities as catalyst for becoming more positively polarized. And eventually you will, at a certain point, you transcend all negative catalyst influence. And so to do that, it's, it's really about seeing the light within yourself and the darkness gives you an opportunity to see the light. So the more darkness happening in the world or in your own personal life or what, whatever it may be, the more opportunity the universe is giving you to take your own polarization into your own hands and go for it. It's like, how bad do you want it? And mm -hmm. so that catalyst is always being given to us, but until we really get on the spiritual path, we don't even recognize it. We just see it as, why is this happening to me? This is sucks, I hate this, blah, blah, blah. So we've had an amazing opportunity for that in the last year, obviously. And I think for me, one of the biggest catalysts of 2020 has been you know, obviously the corruption that was exposed and the lying, the lies, the manipulation and all of that of narratives for um, political gain, financial gain, everything we've witnessed has always been happening. It's always been the case. We just haven't seen it until the catalyst of 2020 really brought it into the light in full 3D technicolor. And so it's like corruption didn't start in 2020. Corruption was exposed in 2020. So that's the good thing about it. We've illuminated some of the darkness of our collective and as we make this transition or this shift from third density consciousness into fourth density consciousness which for those of you who might be new to law of one terminology would mean egoic consciousness based on separation shifting into unity consciousness of love and oneness as we make this shift right now we're doing the shadow work right we have to purge the old third density egoic ways of thinking and seeing one another and integrate unity. And so that only happens by process of elimination. Each one of these parts of our own um, distortions and imbalances collectively have to be brought to the surface and exposed and be allowed to manifest in their full ugliness, we might say. That's how we do shadow work on ourselves, right? We have to go into our traumas, our memories, and allow it to be felt again, but this time with love and understanding not with resistance and fear. So it's important for us on the spiritual path, those of us who are awakened to this, to not judge or hate or create any separation in ourselves towards all of this corruption we're seeing. And I think one of the biggest um, catalysts that 2020 has offered us or revealed to us <clears throat> is that we have a huge, huge inauthenticity problem 
in our collective, meaning we, we lie to ourselves. We're not honest with ourselves about our own problems and our own triggers and this and that. And so because we lie to ourselves, we paint this false image of who we think we are or want to be in the world. We're totally okay for other people to lie to us, for politicians to lie to us, for leaders to lie to us. And until you become authentic with yourself, which means it hurts me to be dishonest, it, it creates so much internal conflict when I violate my integrity, what I know is right, what I know is true, then you aren't going to be okay from that point forward with other people lying to you and violating your integrity. And so we see a, a huge portion of the population that is okay with lies, manipulation, and deceit for the purpose of personal gain, whatever that gain is. And then we have a much smaller portion right now, which is growing, thank God, but a much smaller portion that's authentic with themselves and are not okay with the lies and the deceit. And obviously there's some middle ground too, but I think for the most part, what, what we've seen is this giant portion of people who haven't gotten authentic with themselves yet are judging this small portion for calling out the bullshit and let's just call it what it is, right? This isn't true. Yeah. This isn't right. This isn't moral. Um, and they're gaslighting us and, and saying that we're labeling us as this or that, which we don't need to get into. And so we have censorship, cancel culture as a result, because the inauthentic, the inauthentic mind cannot allow their fragile, delicate self-image to be challenged or shattered or threatened in any way. So they have to protect it at all costs, which right now means any other narrative other than the one narrative we sell is not allowed. So free will, free speech, totally out the door. And this is a great catalyst for those of us who are on this side to show them what the light looks like, which means you may hate us. You may call us this or that. We're not going to reciprocate. We're going to have love and understanding, and we're going to forgive you for that. But we are going to continue shining the light. Yep. So well said. And, and it's so like, I want to go there with the, cause we've talked a lot about this on Buddhist biohacker about the bullshit going on. And there's a lot of it in the spiritual communities too. Well, you're For not sure. 5d and you're not 3d I actually did an entire video about the super string theory and the 11 dimensions, because I don't even think people understood what they were talking about. <laughs> Um, there's also a lot of, well, if you don't believe this narrative, then, you know, you're not awake and all these, there's a lot yeah. of judgment and finger pointing and this idea of being in the middle. I mean, we've talked about it so many times and Aaron, like you just did a video. I know I just watched it a few weeks ago or a week ago about this, but you know, it's, it's coming completely out of the divisive narratives and just understanding that we are all one, we're all interconnected and that all of these beliefs are true because mm -hmm. it's about what's true for you. And that shadow work, you know, when, when you really deep dive into the shadow and you start integrating that into your field, what happens is you can hold space for all of it. You don't have to make someone believe what you believe. You can hold space for them to believe what they believe. You can hold space for yourself. There's no longer a need to prove anything because the egoic mind is dissolving inside. And, you know, I, I want to dive into the shadow work because I know you brought it up already. And, you know, it's we, we talk about it all the time. For those of you who are new to Buddhist Biohacker, we have some pretty brutal conversations in here <laughs> about the shadow because you don't, sometimes people don't want to see the truth. It's really hard to see the truth of yourself. It's not about what's outside of you. It's about 
what you're experiencing and what you're projecting out into the world. Yeah. Yeah. So much we could unpack here. Mm -hmm. uh, shadow work is for sure the most challenging aspect of spiritual growth and by far the most immediately beneficial as well. And one way I, I like to look at this is how everybody wants knowledge and understanding before they want love and compassion. And you can't really have it that way. You have to have love before you can understand because love is understanding, right? To love something is truly to understand it. And wisdom and knowledge is revealed through that loving energy, that loving vibration. It's kind of like the key that opens the door to understanding. And so people want to read books, uh, watch lectures, et cetera, et cetera, become very spiritually knowledgeable, but they don't want to go love all the dark stuff within them because it's painful. And again, it confronts that self-image that we build about ourselves. I'm so spiritual. I'm so evolved. I'm 5D. And so it's really sexy to do like past life regressions, astrology readings, tarot readings, and all this stuff. But like nobody wants to go love their traumas. <laughs> and it's like, if you're really about that life, if you really want to evolve and ascend and, and go 5D, then shadow work's the, the first place you should start. Mm -hmm. Well, and you sh backing away from the death card or the devil card. I mean, um, I don't, I don't read cards all the time anymore, but when I do, and I'm very passionate about them, the tarot is full of these incredible archetypes and Carl Jung has written yeah endlessly about it. I mean, his whole book, Memories, Dreams, Reflections is all about the shadow and his neuroses yeah. and what he was creating for himself. And if you're afraid of that, then you're not going to step into the fullness of who you are. I mean, it's, it's, it's really looking at the ugly stuff that opens up all the creativity all the vitality. You're not afraid to take a risk. You're not afraid to go do something crazy because you know that it's coming from this vital place and not from an egoic place. And you can really be yourself. You know, the, the, the destructive emotions and the energy of the shadow, if it's ignored and denied, it's actually, it's like a mine, like an opal mine. Like you're, you're mining for those beautiful jewels. And if you don't do the mining, you're never going to find the gifts that are there. Yeah. Yeah. Another analogy I like in conjunction with that is almost like if you have a bunch of like nuclear waste in your basement or something, and as you're moving around the house and stuff, you don't like know it's there, but it's just slowly contaminating everything about your house and poisoning you and filling you with toxins and stuff and killing you slowly. Mm -hmm. And you only become aware of it once you're so sick that you're like, man, this can't be right. What's going on? And then you have to look deep, deep, deep within yourself. You go, oh, there's a bunch of unhealed pain and trauma and unforgiveness in here. Uh, it's you, you really, it's it's like the the three primal chakras, the root, sacral, and solar plexus, contain those energies. And if you if you think about the kundalini or the energy body, you got the seven chakras. You have all this contaminated toxic energy down here that's not allowing you to let the prana flow up to the spiritual chakras. This is what the law of one teaches. It's like you have to balance and open the lower three um, earthly chakras, we could say, before you even have access to the spiritual chakras. And what happens is almost everybody wants to go right to the spiritual chakras, open the third eye, the throat chakra, the heart chakra. And what was really pivotal for me with the law of one is the way that Ra explains that you actually have no access to the spiritual chakras until you've opened the, the lower three 
and then allow that energy to flow to the heart, to the heart chakra. That's kind of the, the gateway, they say, or the, the great stepping stone to the upper three spiritual chakras. And what happens when you don't balance the lower three and you work on the upper three spiritual chakras is you become a, a giant spiritual ego because you have all this distortion in the personal chakras you haven't dealt with that's contaminating the flow of energy. So it's absolutely the most important aspect of spiritual growth. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is like, dude, you got hit the nail on the head with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been reading people since 2006 and I can tell you, everybody wants to leave their body. Everybody right. wants to be psychic. And by the way, I believe that everyone is psychic. You know, we, right. we could all train to be a marathon runner. We can all train to be a psychic. So don't think that right. I'm doing something you guys can't do, by the way. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the thing is, it's exactly what you say. We're all up here and we're all out of our body, which mm -hmm. is why we're not doing the shadow work. Yeah. Because if we're not in the body, then we're not having the experience we came here to have. I mean, we chose to come here and be in these bodies because it's like the coolest thing. Like there's not a lot of planets in all of the star systems and all of the galaxies that has the kind of genetic creative energy that we have on this planet. And so many of us are trying to leave it instead of trying yeah. to be here. And that was the pivotal moment for me, Aaron, and through my journey with His Holiness too, was recognizing I don't want to be in my body. I was having yeah. severe health crises. I was 100 pounds overweight. I was exhausted. I was all of those things. And it was recognizing that I wasn't even, I didn't even know what my body felt like. And it was that moment when you talk about connecting with those lower chakras, like that is the solution, you know, and anybody who's had an awakening or Shaktipad or anything like that, you know, that all of a sudden those lower centers open up. And what I'm seeing, Erin, and I'm curious your thoughts on this, because what I'm seeing with the collective, like when we talk about the whole globe itself, and by the way, I'm seeing a lot of people asking about shadow work. Julie Hoyle is at the forefront of shadow work. And I'll share more about that at the end. If you guys are looking to work with somebody to that's all she does. And it's awesome. But nice. anyway, what I'm seeing with the globe is this, the whole globe has been trying to move from the heart chakra to the throat chakra, right? We're moving in the densities and the planet is going from green to blue and all of these things we can talk about that are very woo woo. But the reality is we haven't dealt with the sacral chakra and the root chakra. And all of this sexual trauma that is coming out, right, and has been now for quite some time in all sorts of spaces, all of the abuse, all of the narcissism, all of this gaslighting, all of this stuff is our collective sacral chakra shattering open and having to deal with that. Yeah. And, and it's painful and it's hard. And there's a lot of people who aren't ready to see it because I'm sure that many of you guys who are watching, and I'm sure Aaron, you've connected with people like this too. And I've been there myself is when you have to face abuse or neglect or being lied to, right? Which is what all of us are doing together right now. We're having to say collectively, holy crap, there's people in the church doing things wrong. There's people in the media doing things wrong. There's people in politics doing things wrong. There's people we've trusted doing all these things wrong. It just shatters everything around you. And then you have to pick up the pieces and put yourself back together. But it is that moment. That's the shadow work. That's the yeah. moment when you can move 
up and the compassion opens because you start to see that everyone is in the same place. Everyone's having the same experience. We are all broken, but we also are all God's source. So we're really not broken. It's just about understanding how that feels. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to hold those two in juxtaposition together, uh, your, your inherent perfection as the source, the one infinite creator, that's what we all are. Holding that at the forefront of your mind always, also while holding your seeming distortions and imbalances on the in the dream world, on the personal level, you are a, a soul on an evolutionary journey going back to your source as the creator so you can learn about yourself, experience and taste yourself. So you got to hold those two together because they're equally true. And I think a lot of the 5D stuff is the denial of this and the supremacy of that. And there's some opposite ones too, but the, they're equally valid. And I think in our world today, we're seeing a lot of, as you pointed out, what the law of one would say are red ray, orange ray, and yellow ray distortions, root chakra, sacral, and solar plexus. And the important thing for us where we can make this practical for us is whatever we're seeing in the world, and this has been my huge catalyst, whatever we're seeing in the world, the lies, the deceit, the whatever, if we're seeing it with anything but understanding and compassion, then we know for a fact there's some of that still in me. Some of that distortion still within me. So let me go within myself and say, where have I not been honest with myself? Where have I lied to myself or to others, right? Mm-hmm. Forgive yourself for those distortions and balance them. And you open that channel of those lower three chakras to let the energy, the prana flow up. So compassion and understanding is the barometer for how healed you are in those lower three centers. And then only then do you really become that gateway of love and light where you can show the world what oneness means. So if we, as the spiritual community who are trying to bring unity consciousness to our planet, are hating and getting angry and triggered at the lies and deceit, we're not yet in oneness ourselves, right? And we can't be the message until we embody it. So this is why it's so important for me to keep stressing that like, we gotta do the work, guys. Now is the time. The universe has given us the best opportunity for this. You'll never have a mirror like 2020 was. You really, I I highly doubt we'll have another year like that. So it's like, let's make use of it. Yep. I agree. What's your take on Ascension these days with everything that's going on? And, and really what I mean is there's, there's all sorts of conversation about what Ascension looks like. And I think I just want you to dive into a little bit with the raw material and just your own self, you know, what does Ascension look like to you now? Yeah. Well, I think when we hear the word Ascension, we think of like going up or escaping, getting out of the world of the 3D. And uh, I think it's really almost the opposite. It's, it's a deep inward movement. Yeah, ascension happens like this, not like that, because the universe is inside. We, we will only know the universe, even scientifically speaking, we will only know the universe to the extent we know ourselves. So because we think we're separate, we are bodies, we're not spirits, we're hard bodies, matter made of materials, then we project that view onto the universe and we have our materialistic reductionist scientists who are like, yeah, the universe is just made of matter. Um, it's all separate and we'll never understand the universe that way. We have to know ourselves as one before we can understand the universe as one. And then the universe will speak of its mysteries and secrets to us openly. And Ross stresses that again and again in the law of one. So to me, ascension is knowing myself so that I can know Knowing my inner self so I can know my outer self, right? 
You are the world. You are the universe. But that's just a nice, cool, spiritual phrase until you know yourself. And bringing it back to shadow work, a lot of that self-knowledge begins with decluttering all of the, the former identities. I'm this person. This has happened to me. I've been abused. I've been abandoned. I've been blah, blah, blah. These are just stories that blind you from your true universality, your true identity. And uh, self-knowledge begins with removing what's false because what's true is already real, is already present. You don't have to go searching for truth. You just have to eliminate what's obscuring truth. And that's what shadow work is. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Now, when we talk about awakening, you know, I had a conversation with Andrew Bartzis last year. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a galactic historian. He's really great. And mm. he talked about how there's this confusion thinking that this is this collective awakening and that it's really the individual that is awakening, that this is more about right. the collective catalyst. And, you know, so I want to get your take on the individual awakening and how that is, is interacting with the collective experience we're having right now? Yeah, great question. You know, we talk about this planetary ascension we're going through, shifting from third density to a fourth density planet. And the social memory complex, as described in the Law of One, is this idea that as um, those of us who are here now, who are choosing the positive path, service to others, um, we will all, all of us who choose that path will one day share one mind, which is called the social memory complex. So the way it looks in actual evolution is as time goes forward more and more, as we raise our consciousness, as the literally the, the rate of vibration of the photon increases in speed or frequency, we have more access to the powers of consciousness. And so we'll see things like telepathy evolving, where we can start to read each other's thoughts and feelings and intuit those emotions and ideas. And as that continues to happen, let's say we get to the point where we can communicate thoughts with our minds. Well, at a certain point, we can share literally everything that's available in my consciousness you can have access to. So at that point, it's like, what's you and what's me? Like, where's the distinction now? Because we share one mind. So there really isn't a you or a me anymore. We've become one. And in that light, more and more people, uh, beings in the on the planetary civilization begin joining that collective mind until all beings of that group who have ascended to the positive polarity share one mind. And those who have not been eligible for graduation or those few who choose the negative path um, basically have to go incarnate on another planet somewhere else in their next lifetime. So it's like, if you want to be involved on the earth's social memory complex one day, and you want to come back here and watch our, our species continue evolving, then uh, you got to do the work on yourself now to be eligible for that graduation. Because basically the way it works is the, the soul continues evolving, sort of like walking up steps on a staircase. And let's say you're walking up the third density stairs, right up that spiral staircase. In your lifetime, uh, if you get to a 51% uh, mark of service to others orientation, then you are eligible for fourth density. So wherever your whatever staircase you are on when your physical body dies in this life, basically the source looks at where you are. And if you have stepped onto that first fourth density stair, the source will say, okay, this being is eligible for a fourth density incarnation now. 
So you've gone to the next level of your soul's journey. And so you can reincarnate here on fourth density planet Earth and be involved in that complex. Now, those of us who are still, you know, in the middle of third density, let's say, who don't make that fourth density step, then Earth has now apparently become a fourth density planet in 2012. And so if you want to reincarnate here 100 years from now, but you're still in third density, then you're not actually eligible to return to Earth. So you'd have to go finish your third density experience on another third density planet. And then you could come back to Earth if you wanted, or you could continue on that planet. So it's pretty amazing the way the law of one describes this process of reincarnation and evolution. And although it's very much a collective thing, as social memory evolves, it all begins with the personal growth. Like mm -hmm. you've got to do the work on yourself to be in harmony with that level of vibration. Otherwise, if you're not, it's going to take you a long time to get back here, right? So there, there's mm -hmm. nothing at stake in the sense that everyone will finish the journey. Everyone will return back to source. We all win the game, so to speak. But there's certain rules in the game that we have to abide by. And uh, if you want to play the game, you know, the way that you want to experience the game, then it's all about spiritual evolution. It's the only thing that matters in this life. Well, and it's interesting to how Ra explains the social memory complex, because it's very much as a channel. What a lot of me and my colleagues who are also channels, what we're seeing is our collectives that we're working with are actually merging. I don't know if you've mm. heard this, but it's definitely happening. And so I can say when I first started channeling um, in 2008, I was channeling one Egyptian being, which turned into a group, which turned into a group. Then they were the collective of, of the golden onk. And, and now they've merged into this other group. And we're noticing that we're all you know, we're all getting the same information, right? Which is how it works anyways. But there's this merging even of the, the memory complexes that we're pulling in or connecting with. There's definitely movement and shifts and expansion even in these other dimensions, which I find really fascinating because I never really could explain what I was channeling or who. And so really, like I said, it's a funny thing because I've been doing it for years and years. Then I find your channel and I'm watching your video. I'm like, oh, that is exactly how it works. Somebody actually yeah. said this in a real way. <laughs> Pretty amazing, huh? <laughs> it is. It's so funny. But it is cool because I'm seeing the, the interdimensional beings are starting to merge as well. So there's a real active change in how we get information for those of us that are connected in that way. So it's just kind of cool thinking about it, I guess, talking about it. Yeah, totally. They have a, a galactic federation of memory complexes who all work together to be of service to other planets such as ours and sort of monitor the galaxy and wherever they can be of service to go help. And, you know, somewhere at seventh density, those social memory complexes begin merging together because eventually it all has to merge back into one. Mm -hmm. So even the memory complexes begin merging and whatever that looks like, we can't even conceive of here, but the mysteries just continue at every level. It's amazing. It really is. Somebody is asking, I think this is a good question for you and I both to answer, um, if channeling is possession. So I'll let you share first, if you want to, about what your thoughts are on that. And then I'm going to share from my own experience too, but yeah. Well, I'm not a channel um, as you are, but from the law of one material, it's pretty clear that um, channeling can be possession, 
if it's negatively oriented, the, uh, the negative service to self being can actually take over the physical vessel if you open yourself to them. But that's very rare that that happens. Um, true channeling of, of positively polarized being is not possession in the sense that they're taking control of your body against your will or possessing your body. Possession is a service to self idea, control, domination, possession. So the positive channel of their own free will allows themselves to become open like a radio transmitter or something open for contact and used of their own free will. And the positive being um, uses the, the mind body spirit complex as a sort of a radio to communicate through. So it's totally done through free will and agreement, whereas possession kind of implies an infringement of someone's free will. Yep, totally agree. And I think what I can share as a channel is we have what's called transmedium channels. They're on the back on either side of your main kundalini pathway up the spine. They sit right at the back of your throat chakra. And that's how a being would allegedly plug. And I say allegedly because who knows what the real terminology is, but that's yeah. how they plug in and speak through you if you are in fact channeling in, in that way. And of course, there's many people who did this. Edgar Casey, very famous, did this, right? Mm -hmm. um, Bashar, you know, we could go on and on. There's lots of channels, but that is how I originally did channel. And it's really not a possession. I agree with you, Aaron, completely. Um, it really is an agreement. It's, it's your allowing space for them to come in, connect through you and share their messages and information. Um, However, what I will say to everyone out there is when you have a being plug into your transmedium channels, it can crack your etheric body and it can be really hard on you. So like these days when I channel, they more just sit outside of my space and, and I'm more translating what's coming through and or I'm automatic writing. Um, but you can make agreements with beings and people do that, that, take over their body, which is where you get walk-ins and possessions and all these things. And I agree with you, Aaron, it's more of a negative service to self energy to really allow that to come through and come in that way. But if you're a true, you know, service to others, transmedium channel, what you're doing is essentially just be allowing your voice box and this particular part of the body to be a conduit for their messages and their information. So um, I would yeah. agree possessions kind of a different thing than channeling and anyone yeah. can do it. You know, I mean, it's really the best book that you guys can get. If you want to learn to channel is opening to channel by Sanaya Roman and Dwayne mm -hmm. Packer. It is an incredible book and it's really, it single-handedly was the catalyst for me to be able to really move fully into that space for everybody who is uh. interested in that. So that's a great book. I'm definitely going to pick that book up because I found it interesting when you just said that the connection point is kind of in the back of the neck. Is that right? Yep. Yep. It's like um, right on either side of the spine here. What so a trip. I've had the weirdest thing happen for um better part of a year now, but it's almost always happens when I meditate is that that exact spot gets really hot on my spine. Yes. And I never understand why, but maybe someone's like knocking on the door. <laughs> yes, they are. Oh my God. And I can't believe you haven't read that book yet. Yeah. Opening to channel is really beautiful. And Sanaya Roman and Dwayne Packer, they channel Oren and Deben and they have a whole website, you guys. And uh, my channeling mm. course is based off of their teachings also, but it's a really, really the thing is you guys, you have to match the vibration. So imagine you have right. this 
this memory complex, this group of beings, and they're trying to reach you, but you have to reach them. So it's kind of like you come together in this space, this vibrational space. And when you do that, that's when the connection happens. And that's when they can come through and, and really begin to share and speak and connect with you. And it's really amazing. I have a great story, Aaron. And I know some people are telling me not to talk so much, but I want to share this with you. So when I was a kid, <laughs> I'd love to hear it. <laughs> when I first started channeling in 2008, I was telling my mom, I was like, Hey, I'm channeling, like I'm doing this thing. And cause my mom's medium too. And, and she was like, well, this thing, I should probably tell you this story. So I guess when I was about four years old, my parents heard this weird noise in my room in the middle of the night and they came into my room and I was sitting up in bed at four years old, speaking in a different language in a man's voice. <laughs> And I guess wow. my dad like had a heart attack That's and they were trying level. to, I know. And they were trying to shake me and all these things. So I only found that out at 30 years old when I first started channeling and I was like, wow. Holy cow. like I was actually doing it before um, I even knew it. And the other thing you guys can know about the transmedium channels is when you have a near death experience, those pop open, which is why so many mm -hmm. people who have near death experiences end up channeling or being mediums or having some kind of connection because these, these channels actually blow open when that happens. But some of us come in with those open with the understanding they're meant to communicate. So I, it's no surprise to me, Aaron, that yours are shouting at you. Yeah. It's probably time. And I'll tell you what, opening the channel, I don't know a person who hasn't read that book and started channeling. I mean, it really is profound and it will wow. change your energy field. Truly, truly. Um, well, thanks so for the recommendation. I'm definitely going to get a copy of it. Yeah, it's so great. And actually you're in Colorado. If you go out to um, like Ken Carroll to the Red Rocks there, there's like an energy vortex right there. It's where I grew oh, up boy. and it's Awesome. It's like the best place to channel information. I do most of my transmissions there. So <laughs> go over a good there. Place to start then. <laughs> <laughs> go to that. It's a little hike and it's totally worth it. Oh my gosh. I'm looking at everybody's comments. I just want to see um, what everybody else is saying here really quick before we kind of go into some other things. Um, lots of stuff about everybody being clairsentient and translating frequencies. I love this. Um, ears ringing, all of these things. And somebody talking about aliens. And I love that. What, you know, I know, I know you just did a video on ETs and I haven't watched it yet, but man, are they, they're hugging us close right now. I'm curious. I know. Yeah. How are you feeling about ETs? And I like to say off planet beings, cause they're a little bit more than an extraterrestrial. I don't know that that's right. really a good word, but yeah. A lot of baggage around those words, thanks to Hollywood. <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So I've been doing uh, the CE5 meditations uh, for a little while now. The CE5 stands for Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind, which is um, there's five types of Close Encounters. And like there's the famous movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's when you have a visual sighting of an extraterrestrial in person, I believe. CE5 is when you establish contact or when a human establishes contact in consciousness with an ET. And Dr. Stephen Greer teaches how to do this. It's very simple, really. You just get into the unbounded field of consciousness and you put out a signal, like a, you become a transmitter, like, hey, I'm here. I acknowledge you. I want contact. Send up love and light. That's kind of the signal. And then UFOs start showing up. And uh, I've, had, I've had three remarkable UFO sightings from these CE5 meditations just within the last four months. 
And I have some pictures of them, but uh, I haven't like released them on my channel or Instagram yet. So I'm waiting for the right time. But yeah, they're here. They want contact. They're clearly acclimating us to their presence, which is kind of what that video is about that you mentioned. We're kind of in this acclimation phase mm -hmm. where uh, there, there are certain protocols that ETs have to follow when they're uh, establishing contact with a third density planetary civilization because on the positive polarity, infringing upon another being's free will actually depolarizes them. So they'll lose spiritual charge if they come barging in and showing us technology and stuff. So it's never going to be like what our Hollywood movies depicted as. Mm -hmm. It's more going to be like, I, I use this analogy of, you know, how would you approach a frightened animal if you were like trapped in a cave with a frightened animal and you wanted to prove to it that you're not a threat and you, we can be friends and it's all good. Well, initially you're going to pretty much ignore it, right? You're going to just walk around the cave, do your business, maybe make some eye contact here and there, make sure it knows you're aware of it, but make no uh, threatening movements at all, almost ignoring it. And we see the ETs doing that with us where their UFOs will just show up over a city and then poof, and they're gone. And, uh, you know, we've had the craziest UFO sightings just in the last year. And I'm a, I, it can't be a coincidence that we've had all this turmoil from 2020 in our collective and the ETs are maybe taking advantage of that opening and showing up more because right now we're <laughs> collectively, we're very much more open to like, help, we're screwed down here. <laughs> and I think that they respond to that in a way. Mm -hmm. So it's been amazing to see the, the types of UFO encounters. You know, there's Bob Lazar in the 80s and there was, we've had a lot of military pilots, Air Force pilots have these incredible encounters with these UFOs, but we're seeing like, it seems to me like they're really kind of ramping up the level of uh, contact that's being established through these UFO sightings in a way that we can't deny that they are acclimating us gradually to their presence. And I, I start to think about what will it look like in 50 years or 100 years or as this phase ramps up what will acclimation look like? And I feel like we'll get to a point where we will see UFOs just hovering in the sky openly all day long, kind of just, again, letting us know, hey, we're here, but we're obviously not a threat. Because if, if we had any bad intentions, surely by now we would have done something. And I even can, I can foresee it being possible where we live in a world where we see UFOs in the sky all the time, just like normal airplanes and just hanging out with us, but no open contact for 50, 100 years until it becomes so normal and accepted. But I think in that phase, what's going to happen, the way that they would probably like to contact us is through channeling, through sort of like the law of one, where we just get delivered this amazing text that explains the metaphysics of the universe in a way that's totally undeniable that no human being, no 20 human beings could invent something so extraordinary as the law of one material. So we can't deny this is from a, a much higher source of intelligence. And I think we're going to continue to see these amazing texts and information and maybe even science delivered through channeling. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with you. And, and yeah, it's really incredible. I, my husband's actually seen some with me this year here where I live. Um, and that's the first time he's seeing them. And, and uh, I've been lucky. My dad actually had an experience, you know, his own abduction experience when he was a Whoa, young adult. No so, and I've, I've seen many over the years, but I'll tell you what, there is a lot 
more now than I've ever seen before. And yeah, um, it is, it's really beautiful and amazing. And I'm starting to feel like I've been getting this information in my meditations that there's definitely like translators, like people being called forward to channel and, and translate and to start connecting so that as they start to do what you're saying, which is they're just here and we see them is to be able to start teaching us how to communicate, how to connect, how to use our telepathic abilities. Um, mm. I'm really excited to see what happens. There's a lot of astrology. Actually, there's a lot of Vedic astrology about um, aliens or ultra terrestrials or off planet species, whatever you guys want to call them. Um, these other beings coming in this year through this decade, there's a ton of astrology that supports. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, that's exciting. Yeah. And supports the technology, like the technological advances. And this is something that the um, sacred council that I channel talks about is we can't even begin to understand the technological advances we're going to see in the next 10, 20, 50, 100 years, because yeah. we're starting to prepare to connect with that. And I totally believe that Elon is somebody, I mean, he's here to help us get off planet so we can start yeah. to connect and travel. And we'll be talking about him in thousands of years. We'll still be talking about I'm Elon Musk. I'm a huge Musk, Elon Musk fan. <laughs> Me too. Let's get him on the show with us. I want to talk to him so bad because I'm like, this guy came here to like do this. Like this is what he came here here to do is to get us off planet so we can start to reach out because eventually we'll be reaching out as much as they're reaching out to us right i mean right. that will happen over these thousands of years so yeah that's what it's going to take is that we really collectively have to reach out to them they're they're not going to come onto our planet until we really invite them and there needs to be a certain sort of critical mass that's achieved for that and i think it may even look like if there are you know, large spiritual communities of thousands or even millions of people who understand this stuff and believe in it and are welcoming it. I can even foresee a future where ETs are showing up physically to these groups, but not showing up to government officials or anybody else because they're not being invited there. But at a certain point, it's like the world will have to wake up to this in whatever way it happens, but it has to be a human initiated contact. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Cause they're, they're never going to just freak us out. <laughs> That's no. not their, their, their purpose or point or what they want at all. They're waiting for us to be ready for them, which is beautiful and powerful. They're the most powerful, beautiful, incredible beings. I mean, it, it's really, I just, you I don't can't even imagine. Yeah. I don't even have a negative thought about it. I mean, it's just, they're just incredible. And the contacts that I've had or the experiences I've had have just been so, I mean, it, it, it's, not the energy of the Christ grid, but it is like that in that it's a profound love. It, it, it's mm -hmm. not anything you've ever experienced. Yeah. Um, so I can't believe, you know, hours go fast in this show for sure. And <laughs> I, I want you to have some parting words here in a minute. So I'm just going to share a couple of things and then I'm going to have Aaron have the last word today. Um, but first off, thank you to everybody who's watching live. Um, I love all of you guys so much. And, you know, this is all our journey together. So I love being able to share this time with you always. Um, and we are back tomorrow. We actually have three more shows tomorrow. We're going to be talking about junk DNA on Ancient Future tomorrow afternoon. And we have Herbal Thursdays too tomorrow. So we're going to be talking about um, what herbs to use to take care of your body in preparation for spring. So keep that in mind. And Awaken Grace is probably the most profound 
set of stories ever. Our very first story is going to air on Friday, March 26th to kick off our One Heart, One Earth global celebration um, with Julie Hoyle. And for those of you who are asking about shadow work, Julie Hoyle wrote a book on Smashwords, Meeting the Shadow, Finding Yourself. Um, if you if you really want to do shadow work, she's the one to do it with. Um, so I just want to share all of those things as well. And of course, I'm so bad at soliciting, so I'm going to remember to do it today. Please subscribe to Buddhist Biohacker. Our whole mission is to create a resource of light, and that directly came from the Sacred Council. They said, you need to create an encyclopedia of light, and that is what our focus is, is getting people like Aaron in front of everyone so that you guys know who to connect with and who the teachers are and where to find the information. So that is my spiel. But Aaron, I want to know... Parting words of wisdom, like what's your mission now? Where are you headed next? What do you want to share with everybody today? Ah, great question. Um, so many things that I could share. There's um, so many big things in the works for me right now that I'm super excited about. But if I had to condense what I feel like I'm here to do in a few words, it would be uh, just to do as much as I can in this tiny little snap of a finger of a lifetime to bring unity consciousness to the earth. And a lot of that has been through the law of one for me, teaching the law of one. A lot of that has been through A Course in Miracles, um, teaching through that text. And I'm working on writing my own stuff, but it, it really all comes back to unity for me. And unity begins with unity with yourself, as we've been saying. So doing the work on yourself, the shadow work, understanding your mind, um, just getting free of all that 3D stuff, third density stuff. That's what I'm so passionate about. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you and your time and the work that you're doing. There can't be enough people out there doing this work. So thank you so Agreed. much. And thank you for being on today. Thank you, Lisa. I've had such a blast and uh, we should definitely do it again. Yes, let's totally do this again. I feel like we could talk about a thousand things and um, absolutely. maybe I'll send you some of my transmissions and you can nerd out on them because they're pretty cool. I would love that. I would love that. Please do. I will. I will. Thank you guys so much for listening and watching and so much love to all of you and have an amazing day. Bye guys. Bye.